So I'm starting a series here in February. It's called The Complete Life. You have your notes there and The Complete Life. When I think about my life, um, you know, and the pursuit of, you know, in, in marriage and family and friends and work and all those different things, I think about how it becomes the, the goals and the pursuits that I have in life, in a sense, is, you know, I'm chasing after, if you will, which isn't a bad thing as long as it's in balance, amen, chasing after a complete life, you know, um, we had one child and then, you know, the second child came along and life was just a little more complete. Uh, when the third child came, it was a little more confusing, but we found out that it was much more complete because I wasn't going to stop till we had a son. <laughs> I love my daughters. I mean, they're daddy's girls, no question. And Wade is a mama's boy. I don't care how you slice it. And so while she was like, I'm done it too, you know, when the boy came, I'm like, okay, we're done now. And, uh, and at that point, you know, uh, that's be- he's become her pride and joy without question. She loves the girls. But the girls are, are daddy's girls, and the son is the mama's boy, if you will. And I like it. I like the fact that he loves his mama, and, you know, he, uh, he really, you know, looks after her. He has a good heart towards her. I know that's how he'll treat his bride one day. Can you say amen? amen. And so, but in that, our life becomes this series of, of um, steps, uh, if you will, goals or um, objectives in life to, you know, for it to get better in a sense, for it to become complete. And so Jesus offered us a life that is more than complete. And I want to read out of John 10.10, one of our key scriptures in this series. We'll have two key scriptures that will be in every every week. But John 10.10 says, The thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life, and that they may have it more abundantly. Second scripture, James 1.4 says, But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect, complete, lacking nothing. James is reflecting in, in uh, his epistle, he's reflecting the life that Jesus promised, promised us in John 10.10. 10. James is now reflecting on that, and he's talking about a complete life. He's talking about that abundant life. Let me say that again. So it's the perfect, complete, lacking nothing. That's an abundance. Can you say, that's an abundance? It's an abundance. It's the abundance that Jesus promised. James is reflecting back on it. And what he's challenging us to is he's saying, let patience have its perfect work. Have you ever had to be patient? Did you know, did you know that you were impatient before you had something that you wanted and you found out that you had to grow in your patience? No. All of us have been at that place where we want that and it should be now. We, we desire something in our life, you know, uh, be it uh, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, physically, those different uh, dimensions of our life. We desire a complete life. We desire this life that Jesus promised. Let's look at the word complete. The adjective here says, to the greatest extent or degree, total, the total. Synonyms, absolute, out and out. You ever hear somebody talk that way? It's out and out. You know, I've heard some folks say that. Utter, total, real. Say real. The promise Jesus has made to each and every one of us is real. Sometimes it can look like it's, it's something that's just a dream or a fantasy, but the life that he has promised us is real. 
downright. Now there's a term. I grew up with that term back on the farm. That's just downright the way it is. And downright, you know, my grandpa used that word a lot. You go to the bank on it. This is the way that it is. The verb, finish, making or doing. He who has begun a good work in you will do what? He'll perform it. He'll complete it till the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when Jesus comes back again, God is working a work in each and every one of us who have turned our lives over to him. He's working that work in us step by step. He's completing us. He's making us ready for his return. Another, the the uh, second one there is make something whole or perfect. Is that not what he's done to, uh, to our, us in our, in our life of salvation? Synonyms, finish off, round off, top off. How many of you like the teachers in school that would round up, you know, they would round off, you know, the grades to, you know, I love those teachers. Jesus does that for us. He grades with the curve for our life, amen. Top off, crown, right? Uh, crown, what's going to happen when the Lord appears? What's he going to do? He's going to give you a crown of righteousness. Isn't that right? He's going he's to crown us. Now, now, we all, in this moment, I want you to see this, that it's not complete. I want you to see that your walk with Christ is never complete if the goal is the crown that he gives you. Register this. If your goal is what Jesus gives you, then it's not complete. See, he crowns us, but the Bible speaks of in the book of Revelation that when we're in heaven, around the throne, do you know that there's that aspect that we throw our crowns at his feet? That's complete. Why? Just like we've done in this worship service where we, we lift him up, we're lifting him high. And as we do that, we can feel, do this for me, just touch the crown of your head. You can feel him crown you with his presence, see? And what do we do? It's like, okay, I'm good. Now I want to go home because he's crowned me. He's touched me. No, now the most important part takes place. He's touched me, and I give him praise all the more. No, it's just not what I get. It's what I'm giving back to him. And when that moment comes, when... when We've, we've worked out our salvation and we work to that point. He's working that work in us that he's completing. He's going to finish that work and make it complete. It's not complete for us until we see that moment as a, as a time of praise as well. It's like I'm done with this life. I'm done with all the struggles. I, I lay all the, those uh, uh, earthly bonds down. And, and so I'm in heaven and it's, that's what it's all about. So often that's what it can be, right? Is I just want to get to heaven. But it's much more than that. See, I want to be in eternity doing the very thing that we were doing a few minutes ago because that's what the Bible says. Day and night, surrounding the throne, we'll worship God. Somebody could have said amen there. Make something whole or perfect. The synonyms finish off, round off, top off, crown, cap. Listen to this, compliment. You ever think about the fact Jesus compliments you? You look at how far you sh fall short, or, or do you look at how much he makes up? Hmm? When you look at your, your life and salvation, yes, we have to work it out, and there's assessment, and there's things that we have to, to weigh, but do you look at your life as, as in, here's where I'm at, I'm in this walk in pursuit of him, and, and this is how he compliments me. This is how he 
brings me forward. Let's, let's move it to this, compliment. You ever given anybody a compliment? Have, have you ever been complimented? Do you know the Bible speaks a lot about encouragement, doesn't it? There's something about how our Lord and Savior compliments us in our walk with Him. It, it has a way of completing us. That, that if you feel like you fall short in areas, you know what it does? He comes and he comes, hey, I, I'm happy you're pursuing me. Let me make up the difference there for you. Somebody say grace. God's grace comes in and what it does is it keeps escorting you forward. He never pushes you away. He keeps walking you forward deeper and deeper and deeper into relationship with him, amen? That's the complete life. So I want to share a story with you about a father. <laughs> hey, it's Amen. Uh, it's a, a story called The Lessons of Life. There was a man who had four sons. He wanted his sons not to judge things too quickly. So he sent them each on a quest in turn to go and look at a pear tree that was a great distance away. So at different times, he sent them out. When they had all gone and come back, he called them together to describe what they had seen. One son went out in the spring. Another went out in the summer, another went out in the fall, and another went out in the winter. They each had a different season that they were sent to the pear tree. The story continues on. It says, the first son said the tree was ugly, bent, and twisted. The second son said, no, it was covered with green buds and full of promise. There's a man, <laughs> evidently I've got this copied and pasted twice here somehow. Now, the third son disagreed. He said it was laden with blossoms that smelled so sweet and looked so beautiful. It was the most graceful thing he had ever seen. The last son disagreed with all of them and said it was ripe and, and uh, drooping with fruit, full of life and fulfillment. The man that explained to his sons that they were all right because they had each seen but only one season of the tree's life. He told them that you cannot judge a tree or a person by only a season. And that in the essence of who they are and the pleasure, joy, and love that come in their life during different seasons. I, I would say that every single one of us have been in different seasons in life. That, that, that some people have come, you know, in your, in your walk with Christ, there's some who have come upon you. And when they look at you, they see you in the dead of winter and they think, that's a Christian? A lot of times that's where we hear the, the statements, you know, from the world. It's like, well, the church is just full of hypocrites. No, it's probably a person that's in the dead of winter in their relationship with Christ. God's tilling and he's working something beneath the surface and it doesn't look like it on the surface. It, look, it looks dead. But God's at work within that. Why? Because Jesus promised us that he who has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. He also said this, that no man is able to pluck you from God's hand. Isn't that correct? Who put you in God's hand? Did you put yourself there? Or did Jesus put you there? Jesus put you there. And it's Jesus that keeps you there. Amen? Amen. And there you can grow through your winters. You know, uh, Song of Solomon, there's a... Uh, a scripture, I can't, I can't remember the exact uh, location, but I 
We'll tell you what it says. Awake, O north wind, come, O south. Blow upon my garden so that spices may flow. So that spices may flow. That's this, this story here. We're talking about the blossoms and how it's blooming. And, you know, awake, O north wind, come, O south. Blow upon my garden so that its spices may flow. The key to that scripture is understanding that the north wind comes before the south wind can. The north wind, when uh, winter, dead of winter like we see out there, it drives all the debris, it drives what's left over from the last fruitful season. It, it strips the tree. It strips the life, if you will, of all those things, and it, it, it falls to the ground so that it's ready for the newness of life that comes when the south wind blows. That's what it's like to walk this Christian life. To think about a complete life, I mean, you know, Americanized thought would say this, that everything's going to go good all the time. That's not the Christian life. There are going to be hard times. The cool thing is, when you're serving God, you know those hard times are but a season, and the next season will soon emerge. And guess what? New fruitfulness will come, amen? The moral of this story is don't let the pain of one season destroy the joy of all the rest. And don't judge your life by one difficult season because so often, and this is in your notes here, because so often God's promise and our persistence makes the complete life possible. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. God, all that is there, all that God promises us, all that He wants to work in our life and do in our life, it, it's there, it's waiting for us. There has to be a persistence. There has to be, if you will, a patience in us to walk out our salvation and let that come as God releases it. Amen? How many of you, when dinner time comes, your kids come into the kitchen, you're cooking, you know, over the stove, sweating, you know, getting dinner ready, and they walk in and they grab the package of cookies and they go off to the living room and, and they're just going to sit down and eat the whole package of cookies and not eat dinner. And you're good with that. They ain't one of us and no way. Now, Wade, Wade would go into the little sucker. <laughs> Here's the thing. I do the grocery shopping. It's just always been that way. I enjoy grocery shopping. It relaxes me. And I get the junk food, Angie said. And the kids always, Dad, would you go shopping? <laughs> sure. You want some Doritos? Yes. <laughs> but here's the deal. When I go shopping, and two days later I walk to the pantry to get myself some Doritos, and there's none in there. And then what I do is I go downstairs where the video game is, right, in the basement where the TV and video game TV is. Uh, when I walk down to the basement, I see an empty bag laying there. I know who ate that whole bag in one setting. You get me? And that's not okay. It's not good for you to do that either, is it? Now, at his age, he can get away with that. There's something about, you know, um, the newness of the Christian life that there are certain things you can get away. It's, it's kind of like that grace is there, but as we grow and we walk that out, God, he demands more from us. We know that he can do great things, but what happens is, is we kind of settle in for this Christianity. It's like, I'm just going to keep putting one foot in front of the other, and one day I'll get into heaven. That's not the abundant life. Come on now. That's not the abundant life that God's called us to. Don't ever lose the excitement and thrill of your salvation. Know this, that even though you may be in a winter season, in that walk, 
spring can come again. That's why the psalmist said this, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Come on now. You've got so many scriptures in the Bible that point us to people who have walked out a relationship with God long term and they had all of those seasons going in their life. So you're never without the counsel of God. All you got to do is go and find it. Amen. God's promise and our persistence makes the complete life possible. Sometimes all we need to, to do uh, is, is go through our winter, and here's, here's the uh, next point. We, sometimes what we need is a life detox. That life detox. Like, have you ever, and that's what, think about the Daniel fast. That's part of what it is, is we're eating vegetables, we're eating things that, you know, are, help to cleanse the body. They help to detox the body. That's the body. Do you know that applies spiritually, mentally, and emotionally in our life as well? Sometimes all we need to experience that complete life, the fullness of life, is a detox. How many of you find it hard to put down your technology? I am not allowed to touch the, the iPhone, is that what it is? I find it hard. Let me just be honest up here. I find it hard. I think to myself, you know, I'm not going to do anything on social media for the next, you know, week. And, I, and then I, you know, I go about my business and I walk into my office and, you know, It becomes habit. There's things we eat that become habit. There's things we do that become habit. Come on now. And sometimes all we need is a life detox. And you put some of those things aside and emphasize the spiritual things in our life so that it will order the other areas of our life. Amen? Hmm. Romans 8, 5 through 13. Let's see if any of this might speak to us. Those who live according to the sinful nature, have their minds set on what the nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation. Say obligation. That's a word we don't like, but we have an obligation. But it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. And I will say that I think that that is really what it all comes down to. Jesus saves us. Say, you know, say Jesus saves. He saves. You're being saved and will be saved. That's that working out your salvation. So Jesus saves us. But then we, we find that the spirit wars against the flesh and there's this contention that takes place and we work out our salvation, step at a time, working out our salvation. And what is it? We're putting to death the, the nature, our, our physical nature and our, our cravings and desires that are sinful. We're putting them under so that the spirit man gets to be in the lead. How many today would, would say that there's times your spirit man is not in the lead and you know it? I can guarantee you, I'm driving down I-25, going through Denver. My spirit wars against my flesh so bad it isn't even funny. I think it's going to take me three hours to get through this city. There's a gap, there's a gap, there's a gap, there's, you know, I'm that guy, you know. And I think to myself, I'm just being transparent. Y'all act so holy out there, I know you got issues too. 
I read an article recently that said, why do we call sin issues, you know, or struggles? Sin, sin, isn't it? And it's like, my pastor's a sinner. I am, saved by grace, and I have to work out my salvation as hard as you do. And let me say this, harder. Harder. I have to have that discipline all the more because I'm leading you. Amen? Hmm. So, A, fact, uh, fast, toxic, excuse me, fast, toxic life choices. Fast, toxic life choices. You know, you may be working and not able to eat that kind of a diet where the Daniel fast is concerned. You could probably get by doing at least three days. Trust me, your flesh will be screaming at you, telling you, you are nuts. Go and get a cheeseburger right now, you know. It's going to. But, but I will tell you that if you, if you do that 10 days, you won't die, you know. If you have uh, di- diabetes or you got medical issues, make sure you see your doctor about what, what you should be eating. But, um, but in that, if, if you do that, there's, there's a benefit to your physical body. But I want to challenge you in this fast to do something else. Fast, toxic life choices. Things that you know are toxic to your relationship with God, your relationship with others. Love God, love others. Those are the two greatest commandments. Fast the toxic lifestyle. So number one, fast doubt and trust what God says. Fast doubt and trust what God says. Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. You may have situations in your life that you just don't know the answer to. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not to your own understanding. <laughs> Fast the doubt that wants to creep in and trust what God says. Number two, fast negativity and think what God thinks. Fast negativity and think what God thinks. Isaiah 26 and 3 says, You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. When our trust is in God, we're able to be at perfect peace because this is what we know. If the scripture says that he goes before us and he's also our rear guard, can I trust what God says? If I can trust what God says about that, then I don't have to fret what's going on around me. I can fast that toxic, you know, those toxic choices of going my own way and trust in the ways of God and not lean to my own understanding. Ephesians 4.29 says, Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful. Good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Now this is what I want to point out there. Compliment. Jesus will compliment you. Be the type of person that compliments others. I'm going to tell you the quickest The quickest road to God's blessing in your life is not being mean to people. Not judging them and putting them down, but inviting them. Yes, challenge, but invite them to go along. Invite them into relationship. Invite them into a a meaningfulness of life and interaction. And that also, obviously, paving the road that they could meet God. So compliment them. Number three, fast sin and turn, uh, turn to what God wants. Fast sin and turn to what God wants. 
Look up here. Fast sin and turn to what God wants. Would you all say that at any given time in your, you know, before you walk with Christ, obviously there's sin. Now, I don't know about you, but, you know, you come to Jesus and you, you think to yourself, I'll never sin again. Please give me an amen if you thought that. Raise your hand if, if you've never sinned again. So, so here's the deal, that when we, we turn to what God wants, what, what that means is, is we've got to reflect upon the psalmist once again. Uh, here's David. One of the, one of the, I mean, he was a, a bad sinner, no question about that. You know, he, he violates the laws of God, and yet God calls him a man after his own heart. And why does he do that? Because when David's confronted, what does he do? He repents. Remember last week, we or the week before, I talked a little bit about the Word of God being good for what? Reproof, right? Correction, instruction. That, that basically that there will be a, a thorough purging that takes place and that you become righteous in God. As a result of your works? No, as a, as a result of your submission to God to work in you. Do you get that? That, that all of a sudden what happens is, is that, that I'm saying, I, just, I don't know if I can live this out, but I'm certain that Jesus can live it out in me. So my place then is to yield to him in the midst of those moments. And what happens? He shows up in his grace and he does what he promised. He works out that salvation in my life. I'm working my salvation out. How do I do that? I'm working it out. No, I'm yielding to Christ, and I'm crucified with him. It's not I that live, but it's Christ that lives in me. See, all those, all those points in Scripture at some point have to connect and understand that it's not my works. Even when I put the effort forth, it can't be accomplished unless I'm yielded to Christ. Because only when my members, my flesh, is put under can Christ be formed in my life. Angie, would you bring me water? <clears throat> so fast sin and turn to what God wants. Philippians 4.8 says this. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. I think the greatest thing you can do is plug some worship music in. <laughs> you know, get, uh, look, like, I know that we can pick and choose scripture. It's like I want the, the bless me scriptures and I put those on my mirror and I put those, right? But get, get the scriptures that challenge you in this area. Don't allow it to be something that, that, well, I put that scripture up there and I just don't measure up. Just understand that the more that God's thoughts become my thoughts, what happens is, is then I'm, I'm calling out to him and saying, God, help me to be that. Help me to be like you in this area of my life. See, turning away from the toxic choices, if you will, is submitting those things to God and letting his grace work in you as you invite him to. Uh, B, here's what we need to do. So we fast the toxic choices, and then we feed on healthy life choices. Feed on healthy life choices. Fast and feed. What you feed on is what will, it's what nourishes you, if you will. If, if you feed the flesh, then the flesh, what does it do? It rises up and, of course, brings death. 
If you feed the Spirit, the Spirit rises up, leads the way, and it leads to life. So uh, here's what we have on this. Number one, God's Word. What are you going to feed on? God's Word. I will learn it. God's Word. I will learn it. Psalms 1, 1 through 2. Happy are those who reject the advice of evil men. Instead, they find their joy in obeying the law of the Lord, and they study it day and night. Now, study is very different from read, isn't it? Study, study um, suggests there that we actually dig into it and we search it out. Not I just read, I read through it, but what does that mean? Sometimes you've got to go to the original Greek to, to figure out what the Bible's saying. Because translating from Greek and Hebrew just doesn't quite, you know, it doesn't cross over in the English language. Love. We have a word for love. You know, I love Angie. I love pizza. <laughs> Y'all getting me here? Right? So, what, so you got agape, phileo, eros, and um, storage. You got all these words that actually translate over, you know, to understand exactly what the Bible's saying. In this passage, it means, it means agape. In this passage, it means phileo. In this passage, it means... So sometimes you do have to go back and do a little bit of study to get what God's communicating with you. So feed on healthy life choices by getting in God's word and learning it. Number two, worship. I will live it. Worship, a life of worship. I'm going to live a life of worship. Philippians 4, 8 through 9 says, Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about uh, things that are excellent and worthy of, that's why I put that one back in there, and worthy of praise. Then the God of peace will be with you. Say then. <laughs> we, we want peace in our life. We want peace in our job. We want peace in our family, peace in our marriage, pe- peace on every side. We want the complete life, right? But it requires us to respond to the word of God in such a way that says, I'm going to learn it so that I can Live it with an attitude of worship, amen? And number three, prayer. I will lead at it. I said lead at it. I will lead at prayer. I don't want to look to everybody else to lead at prayer. I want to look to myself to lead at prayer. I want to look to myself for my Christian life. Like it's, it's not bad. It's good to have other people pray with you and for you. But you can't be dependent on that in your Christian life. The greatest connection you have with God is prayer. You go and read about your Savior and what you're going to find about Jesus. Come on now. He prayed a lot. He went off by himself at times and got with God all alone because he wanted that connection. He led at prayer in his own personal life. And with his disciples, there was times where you see, and he took the three with them. That was Peter, James, and John. And he took them with him, and they went off to a place and prayed. And then he took the twelve, and he prayed with them. And then there's times he's praying with them all. On and on and on. You see, Jesus lives a life of prayer, and he led at it. He wasn't looking to someone else to lead it. He gets into the, the temple. We know that he walks into the temple. He's sitting there, and he sees all the money changers hanging out selling turtle doves and sheep and goats and 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 bulls and anybody know what that was all about 
It was all about worship, right? Well, yeah, those offerings were given to God, but the house of God was not to be a place of, of, of um, merchandise. Does that make sense? One of the place people come, but look, go buy that on a farm. Go buy those, those sheep, turtle doves, and lambs, all that in the marketplace, not at the temple of God. No, let me say this. Go out and plunder and get all that you need to establish the covenant of God. But understand, you know that when, when people would go out, they worked their jobs, they, they raised their, their cattle, they raised whatever, and now they're going to sell those things. What they did is they came into the temple of God and made it a, a place of a den of thieves. What that mean? Because you know, their, their focus was the money they're making. It was the love of money that was there. Jesus comes along, we know he says that you can't serve God and mammon. Isn't that right? You can't serve God and money. Mm-mm. Come on now. We live in a time where much has been merchandised in the church. It's not wrong to sell a book or do those things, but, but when it becomes about that, all you can do is turn the TV on and you find out how much it becomes about money. Come on now. And it's turned a lot of people off to the gospel. The challenge is, that's not the gospel. That's not the gospel. The gospel is Jesus gave his life for you. Right? And since he gave his life for you, the thing is, is what Jesus is saying here is he's sitting over there and he's weaving a whip while he's doing all this and he's watching and observing all this because his, he, he declares his father's house would be a house of what? Prayer. He led at it. He was very disappointed that the Pharisees and Sadducees had turned the temple of God into a den of thieves rather than a house of prayer. Come on now. You know, this same Jesus, when it comes to it not being a den of thieves, see, don't sell stuff. It's not about selling things. It's about buying the truth and selling it not. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about right now. Learn it. (laughs) Read your Bible. Get in there. Because he... This is the same Jesus that's at the temple, and he's sitting across from the offertory. Are you all nervous because I'm talking about money? Yes, you are. He's going to take an offering up at the end. He sits across from the offertory, and he watched people come, and they're given large gifts. And a widow comes, and she throws in the last of her living. Two mites, basically two pennies. Throws them in there. Gives all that she had. And Jesus begins to praise. The same Jesus that weaves a whip and drives the money changers out sets across from the offertory at the temple and praises this woman who comes and gives. What was it about? It was about worship. You get that. It's about worship. What makes a house a house of worship? Take your pointer finger and do this. And now I want you to just do this. You are the house of worship. You hear me? What do you offer God? It's the greatest offering you can give God. Your life. He's not interested in what you have. He's interested in who you are. If you leave with anything today, leave with that understanding that all these things, they work but only because we're in relationship with him. And we can take those steps, have those goals, uh, apply principles, we can do all those things, but they, they become nothing but carnal attempts. 
our efforts unless there's that meaningful relationship with Christ. That's the complete life. You can't have the complete life without life itself. He is the life, the truth, the way, and the life. When you interact with Him, all of a sudden when you turn to your Heavenly Father to pray, your prayers aren't at, you're leading at prayer, but your prayers aren't at God. Come on now. Your prayers aren't at God. You're leading at the very thing that connects you to God. But you're not praying at Him. You're interacting with Him. And they're two different things. I can't just wake up in the morning, hey God, take care of this for me, take care of that, and take care of that. I, I get that if I'm new at things, and, but there comes a point to where you know, my kids walk up and it's like, ah, they want something. I have no idea what they want. And it's like, you know, this, that, 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 oh, that, after ten things. I think God works with us that way for sure. But He does expect us to grow. He wants us to learn His Word. He wants us to live a life that's full of worship towards Him and lead at prayer. Listen to this scripture. We think about our society today and how much we need God in it. This is what we need to do, saints. Lead at prayer. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now, if, if you take a look at that, go back this week, and if you take a look at that, you're going to find the things I talked about, the you know, fast from toxic life choices. You're going to find God saying right here, fast from those toxic life choices, right? Be a people that are about what his ways his word right and, and do what be a worshiper of God and ultimately what it comes down to uh, is that pray pray set yourself in that sense in front of God don't talk at him talk with him because he wants to talk with you this morning the way I wanted to kind of finish up is it's communion Sunday. We always do communion the, first, communion the first Sunday of the month. And when I think about all that communion is, it is a fellowship between God and man. We're invited into fellowship with Him, to commune with Him. When I think about that, the body and the blood of Christ, we have access to the Father because of the Son and all that He's done. We observe that He shed His blood on that cross for our sins and that His body was broken for us. Actually, all that we talked about, the complete life, right? His, his, uh, he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon Him, right? And by His stripes, we're healed. When you look at the provision of God, Within context, that complete life, it's exactly what that was declaring. And when we take communion, it's that time to reflect on what are those toxic choices. The Bible says not to take or discern the body of, of Christ properly and not to take it unworthily. 
And so communion becomes that time where we reflect on what are those toxic choices in my life? And God, help me to yield those over to you so that I can experience the complete life, the abundant life that you've promised me. You know, we should do it more than once a month. There's nothing that keeps it. I do it at home by myself sometimes. Just simply to reflect upon what he's done for me. It keeps the relationship with Jesus real and up front. It's not some strange ritual. It's a meaningful interaction that takes place that we reflect upon what he's done for us so that we could have that complete life. Now, I'm I'm not exempt from the challenges of life, the ups and downs. Angie and I have walked, you know, raising kids and working jobs. And, I mean, life throws a lot of stuff at you. But, man, it's so important to weigh what is getting the greater focus. Make a life choice that says, these are toxic things. These are things that don't bring me life. They're things that appeal to the flesh. They're things that get stirred in my mind and I'm going to push those aside and let God's thoughts, let His Word rain down in my life. Worship Him for the fact that by His grace, He's working those things in my life. And you know what? I'm going to lead at prayer. I'm going to get myself in front of God and talk with Him, not at Him. Can you say amen to that this morning? Ushers, would you come this morning? As they're distributing the elements, I would just ask you to just kind of reflect upon some of those decisions you might need to make, things you need to fast from, and uh, identify them and turn those over to God. And then when everybody has the elements, we'll take them together. You know, I, I think about when Jesus established, yeah, at the Last Supper, he established communion for his followers. And, you know, the disciples were setting with, they were setting with him, knowing that he's going to go to the cross. He's reflecting on that with them in that sense, in a forward, you know, in a futuristic, this is going to happen soon. You know, for us, we're reflecting back on what Jesus did with his disciples. And that when he did that, he was doing that to establish for the church from that point forward. And so, and he talks about how often he wanted to eat. Think about this. He knows he's going to the cross. He knows he's going to die for the sins of mankind. And he says, how often I've wanted to share this meal with you. (laughs) You know, nothing quite like reflecting on the fact that Jesus is staring in the face of his death with the hope of our life. Come on. Nothing like that. May we never lose the depth of that meaning in what we do here and now. So Matthew 26, 26 through 27. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you.
Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you for your love. Thank you for the mercy that you show each and every one of us. God, I pray that we walk out of here today and there's something stirred in us. There's a, a deeper uh, desire. God, just a, a greater appetite for your word. Lord, for relationship with you, not talking at you, but talking with you. And God, that includes just moments of listening. And I pray that every person in this room, God, they would hear you. Your word declares that your sheep know your voice. We are the sheep of your pastor, Jesus. We ask you to speak to us concerning our life. And Lord, by your grace, help us live out the things that you challenge us to do as you invite us to come and follow you. We pray all these things in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. Enjoy the football game today. Go Broncos. <laughs>